0: For full, important safety information, visit juviderm.com.
1: Hello and welcome to episode number 568 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell, and my guest this week is Melanie Hamrick. Melanie is a former ballerina at American Ballet Theater and has just released her debut romance, First Position. So we're going to talk about ballet and about balancing, both on your toes and through career changes. We also cover how much writing and ballet have in common. Now, I do want to mention we are talking about professional ballet and ballet theater, so there is some mention of disordered eating and extreme body consciousness. I will have links to all of the books, including Melanie's book, in the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. Hello and thank you to our Patreon community. And I have a compliment this week to Rachel K. Someone is managing a very difficult task right now. And the thought of you and your determination and your thoughtfulness is inspiring them to keep going. If you have supported the show with a monthly pledge of any amount, thank you. You are making sure that the show goes on and that every episode has a transcript compiled by Garlic Knitter. Howdy, Garlic Knitter. Patreon subscribers have a private Discord that is just glorious have bonus episodes, and help me shape the coming seasons so it would be lovely to have you join us. Have a look at com slash Bitches. This episode is sponsored in part by Lumi Deodorant. The sun is shining, it's finally warm, and that means it's time for the extreme humidity of a DC summer, which is like the part I dislike the most about living here because I love everything else. But thankfully, Lumi deodorant makes it easy to feel dry and comfortable, and they have wonderful scents to choose from. Lumi's best-selling scents like lavender sage, clean tangerine, and fresh alpine are wonderful, and they have new scents, including mint cucumber, and soft powder, which is one of my favorite things. And heads up, new customers get $5 off Lumi's starter pack with code Sarah30 at LumiDeodorant.com. Not only do I like Lumi a lot, I use the toasted coconut deodorant every morning. My teenagers like Lumi. The deodorant wipes disappeared as soon as they arrived, and they were used after gym class. But recently, my cream tube deodorant also vanished, and later on, I noticed a very pleasant lavender sage scent. Lumi is a first-of-its-kind deodorant. It was designed to be safe to use anywhere on your body, even your feet. It is aluminum-free, skin-safe, and clinically proven to control odor anywhere for up to 72 hours. Lumi starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid-stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, and two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash and deodorant wipes. Plus, free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code Sarah30 at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code Sarah30. All right, you got your leg warmers? Let's do this podcast. On with my conversation with Melanie Hamrick.
2: Hi, my name is Melanie Hamrick, and I i guess I'm a writer. Um, yeah, I, yeah you are now. Thing, that's a new thing to call myself and to think of myself like that. I was a ballerina for 16 years with American Ballet Theater. And uh, when I retired, I thought I was going to go into the choreography world. Um, But, you know, it's it's sometimes best to say cut your losses if you're not that great at something. And I didn't have the passion I felt I needed to really get into that world. And everyone around me was like, Melanie, it's so obvious to all of us, right? (laughs) You're always reading, you're taking notes in your phone, like, you, at the time it was 20, it was like, do you May 2020 and the world was shut down and everyone was like, use this time, do what like you should write. Like, I, you know, my mom, especially was like, please just write like, I'm, you know, I love your stories, but I think you should write them down, you know? And, um, so then I, I started writing and it, it just kind of came and it was really kind of therapeutic in a way to go back, um, and revisit, the world I had worked in and been a part of my whole life. And now that I it's coming
1: out, I would say I'm a, I'm a writer. Congratulations. You're definitely, not only are you a writer, you're a published author. I know. It's crazy. And if you're, you know, if you're going alphabetically, author comes before ballerina. So you're just lining up the alphabet here. I know.
2: <laughs> oh, and choreographer comes with the C. I got the ABCs going.
1: There you go. D, dancer. Got that too.
2: D, dancer. Yeah.
1: A. We can just keep going. So congratulations! I Thank you, and I'm and I'm working on a book too.
2: So it's kind of crazy that um, that's why I, I I'm still wrapping my head around like published author, writer, you know, all these fun things. Um,
1: it's a new world for me. It is. One. It is indeed a new world, and it takes some time getting used to. I have also published a few books, both nonfiction and fiction, and I always forget to say that I'm an author. I just, it ne- it's never the first thing in my mind. Like, um, what do, what do I do? Uh, Stuff? I do stuff. That's what I do. I,
2: uh, but that's amazing. I mean, I feel like definitely we look at, write, I look at my friends who are writers, and I'm like, you are a writer. But then when it comes to ourselves, we don't usually, I don't know, I, especially being a ballet dancer, it's like hard to take recognize ourselves as yeah. being something you know and being you know and and accomplishing something it's hard to say that about yourself i find
1: it's very true and there are a lot of ways in which i think people don't feel comfortable giving themselves a particular label unless it's been given to them and yeah. There's nobody who walks up to you and says, congratulations, you are an author. Like you sign a contract, that's part of it. You publish a book and your name's on it, that's part of it. But no one is like, and now you are an author. The ceremony is complete. You just kind of got to be like, well, I'm an author now. Guess so. (laughs) I'm
2: going to put it out there. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But it's like you said, like a published, like once you publish it, I keep thinking, oh, maybe come June 20th when it's actually, like you can buy it on Amazon now, but when Amazon starts mailing it and you can hold Copy that. Then it will click, and you know, and I'll feel like confident, being like, "Yeah, own this. I deserve it." You know,
1: you know. I honestly don't know when that comes, but I hope it. I hope on the day of of your your release date for the book, you're like, "Yes, maybe you will get like a crown." That'd be awesome. I know
2: that'd be exciting. You have to have some
1: leftover from dancing, right?
2: I know. A lots of tiaras, sparkly earrings. You know, I've got some tattoos. Yeah know, crown myself.
1: Um. Head to toe. <laughs> this is now what published authors wear. You didn't know? <laughs> I know. Well, I want to say congratulations on first position. Tell me what your favorite pitch is for this novel. I know that one of the most common questions you get is, oh, you wrote a book. What's it about? And for me, my mind immediately goes blank. So I need to rely on like, okay, um, well. Mm. So what is your favorite elevator pitch or pitch generally for this novel when someone asks you?
2: I, that's such a good question because there's either the very short five words. It's about the ballet behind the scenes and it's sexy. Okay. Um, that if you really want condensed, you know, ballet is kind of, it's got this mystery around it. So um, I would say it's a look, you know, behind the curtain at the seductive cutthroat world of ballet and a young girl navigating her way through it.
1: That's a very ballet. good pitch. I also think sexy <laughs> behind the scenes ballet is... Really, like that's the all the hook you need.
2: Yeah, that I gets just the have job three done. Words to describe it. Yeah, I'd say sexy behind the scenes of the ballet and fun. You know, um, I hope people enjoyed reading it.
1: And there's so much behind the scenes too,
2: mm-hmm.
1: because yeah. the the distance between the finished product and the work that goes to get there is considerable. There's a lot that you don't see when you're watching a performance like that.
2: Oh yeah, you don't even realize right off the stage you have dancers sitting in the wings, like eating a candy bar or (laughs) fiddling with their shoes. And it, it, or, you know, you know, I think the the quick change scene booth and the uh, quick change booth scene in the book, that is very real. Like, and I had someone say, really, they're like screaming backstage like that. I'm like, Oh yeah, there's chairs. There's a water cooler. There's people sitting around. There's people running around. There's noise. Um, It depends on the theater and everything, but there's a considerable amount of mayhem in the wings. (laughs) and
1: behind that's wings. a good that's a good second title if you need mayhem in the wings oh I like that <laughs> I mean I love sitting in the audience on the far right or the far left so I can sort of see behind you know off stage oh yeah or you off see stage.
2: the dancers before they take it or you see the dancers run and then they like you see them really drop there so yes because I mean, you drop
1: that there. poise like okay whew, all right yeah let my rib cage I hang down
2: Get that I used to always get that note in the ballet, like Melanie, hold it a bit longer when <laughs> you get in the wings. And, like it's, it's like you, it's like you see the wing and you're like, <laughs> yep, <laughs> it's yeah. a little bit longer. Ooh. Get in the wing all the way. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
1: So I love in the prologue of your book that that your character has rules that she's written down. Which, by the way, put no shit talk in writing is a really good rule, <laughs> and like literally no one follows that rule. It is excellent advice.
2: I think it should be a rule for life. You yeah. know. Think about the text message before you send it. Think about the email, maybe.
1: You know someone's <laughs> gonna screen cap that text message or that tweet and be like, is this you? This is you, isn't it?
2: Remember five years ago when you said that? Like <laughs> everyone can see it and find it, that it's even more, it's not like your private notes on your phone no. or something. You're you're it's you out there in the world. Um, so yeah, that was an important rule I wanted for Sylvie.
1: What were some of your rules? while you were dancing? And were they similar to Sylvie's?
2: When I first started, before I joined the company, I was very like, never be late to work. And then, you know, about like three years in, I was always walking into class like 10 minutes late. (laughs) Um, But my particular role for myself was, because I learned this in ballet school, learn your part, but also learn everyone's role roles if you can because you never know when the opportunity is going to arise and that was just something I had learned in ballet school that was important to me and then as I want to feel like as I was dancing it you know it it changed you know maybe a little bit more of don't date at the workplace kind of thing or like (laughs) um, smile 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 even though you're raging inside it's like things like that learn the choreography if it's not new choreography before you go in the room so like Look like you're a fast learner, which is really important in the ballet world. Because if there's a if someone gets injured or something, and they need someone to fill in, and they they don't have any backups, they're gonna be oh my god, Melanie's a really quick learner. Bring her in. I bet she could learn that role quick. So it's like you do. For me, it was like oh Swan Lake, Sleeping Beauty, and I knew I had an idea what roles I was gonna do or anything in the court of ballet. I would spend the weekend just like. Getting an idea of this basic choreography, so when I went in the room, I was ready, and I, you know, could. I mean, they also hopefully that made me a quick learner. But then everyone was like, "Oh my god, you're such a fast learner!" And I'm like, kind of. So (laughs) it's it was was to
1: your advantage to sort of be a perpetual understudy for all of the roles that you might want.
2: Yeah, and and I think a lot of dancers do that you watch you have an idea and you just watch these ballets over and over and over again that you start to kind of and like without even realizing it you're learning them just so then when it comes time to actually stand up and learn them you you've you've seen it so many times
1: you're serving your own ambition too like you're acknowledging i want to move up i want to move into this position what are the skills Mm -hmm. that i need to get there well it's a sequence of steps you can learn them
2: yeah. And then also, if I had missed a rehearsal one day, because maybe I'd taken a personal day, I didn't want it to affect me. So, oh, I would be watching the video. I would have like one of my friends, because you're always videoing rehearsals, you know, kind of watching yourself. How do I improve? I'm gonna video. So I'd ask one of my, will you send me the video from rehearsal today? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then so I could watch it and be like, okay, okay. Just to re- right, so I'm fresh. I'm sharp every time I go in, even if I'm not, even if I miss a day.
1: That seems like a really good rule for life too. Like to be aware of where you are in the progression of whatever field mm-hmm. you're in and learn what's what's coming, what's the next step, what's the next position higher than yours, what's the next role that's higher than yours.
2: Yeah, maybe, maybe like be prepared for what you want kind of thing. I oh
1: like yeah. To,
2: no, that's good, I will use that. My, yeah.
1: Thank you. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure it was, I I might be getting the attribution wrong, but I think it was Seneca who said that luck is actually when opportunity and preparation meet. So if you've already done the preparation, whenever the opportunity shows up, it's like, oh, easy pie.
2: Yeah. And you, you just need that one chance, you know, and hopefully at some point you will get it. It might take years. Yeah. But hopefully you will get it.
1: Yeah. So going back to the sexy part of the behind the scenes of the ballet, which, of course, is of much interest. Because if you, the behind the scenes secrets and sex, people are like, I'm sorry, tell me everything. There's many, <laughs> yeah. many a story founded on less. In your book there are some dancers doing some very scandalous things. And I know, I know it's fiction, I know it's fiction, but were any of the things in the book inspired by real events? Is someone going to be like oh. super mad at you when they read this book and they're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you put that
2: in." <laughs> well, I definitely, you know, are based on stories. I mean, I was at the ballet for 16 years. My sister was a ballerina, so I have been in the world. Definitely like her stories, my stories, my friends' stories. I mixed them all together and it was almost like a mixing pot. And I ch- changed them enough at, that hopefully no one will be mad at me <laughs> if they recognize something. Um, and I feel like you know, for a story, you, you it's it's a little some a little some things are a little exaggerated. Um, some things are nail on the head. And I definitely took from my ex- like not my only my own personal experiences, but that of my friends, colleagues, even just being around yeah. you hear so much even you know if you're just even sitting on the side of the stage you, you might just be minding your own business and you're like oh well, that's happening over there okay yeah. you know <laughs> and then you, it kind of is like yeah all of that and I put it in a mixing pot and had some fun rearranging and having a good time I remember I was talking to my friends sometimes and I was like oh remember that That's That story in the dressing room, we were laughing when we almost relate to stage, you you know, I might use something like that in there. You know, they laugh. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. If there was anything, I don't think there is because, again, I wanted it to be fresh and I wanted it to be um, fresh characters, new characters, people having their own experiences. Yeah. Um, So I I, I feel like I did a pretty good job (laughs) of making it. No one's, no one's story.
1: No one's going to recognize themselves wholesale.
2: Well, I think like when you come to certain scenes, like dressing room, you know, experiences, quick change, love in the quick change booth. I feel like there's going to be quite a few people who are like, oh, did that. I've been there, done that. Um, (laughs) It's not only like, it's quite, you know, I would say not uncommon, those types of things
1: happening. Well, I mean, the quick change room makes a lot of sense
2: yeah it does because it's it's backstage, it's out of sight. and again, essentially you have they're young, you know, when you join the ballet, you're a young teenager and you have for the most part, part probably given up your wild high school or university years. So it's like exploring your body, exploring what you like and dislike and and living that crazy wild time, but in beautiful costumes in beautiful cities, and it's almost like this hyper sense of horned up teenagers running around.
1: <laughs> No, it's exactly that. It makes me think of the Olympic Village, because I mean, I know there is a lot of going to bone town in the Olympic Village, because like you said, you have these young people who are incredibly high physical condition, who are very aware of their bodies, who are teenagers, and therefore horny. Of course, people are going to be into each other. I mean, it's just it's that's just what's going to happen in that environment.
2: Yeah. And you spend long days with each other and you're in quite revealing outfits. It's it's just when I was uh, putting together my ideas for the book, I was like, why is there not a heavy romance at the ballet? How is this not something that has been explored because it's it's so interesting? You know, you see the outfits, ballerinas and male dancers wear. You spend long days and hours together. You travel together. It's like you're in this little um, protected bubble of understanding each other but also being – Such close physical contact with each other.
1: Yeah. I mean, it it makes total sense. It's like going to... It's like being staff at summer camp, only a lot more, you know, tights and shoes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love this line from early in the book. I, I promise no spoilers when I do an episode quote, the effort and concentration never appearing on our smooth, placid, pleasant faces. That hit me like somewhere very, very deep because I know specifically, I know that that's about ballet. Like I know that that Mm -hmm. is specifically about ballet, but that expectation applies in so many places that you always have to look elegant, always look pleasing, Mm -hmm. never let the effort show. If your toes are bleeding, you may not say so. Have you noticed that also being true outside of ballet?
2: in the ballet, yeah, it's 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 fascinating some of the things dancers will go to to not show effort. Like I remember this one dancer, she wouldn't drink water like the day of the show because she didn't want the audience to see sweat on her face. And I was like, you're going to pass out. Like you're out on stage for like three hours. You know? She's like, I'll take sips once the show starts, but I'm dehydrated enough no one will see the sweat on my face. Oh my like, gosh. Crazy. <laughs> like. The, the the devotion that goes to it. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm going to hold on to my water bottle right now. Good gosh. No,
2: so it's that mentality. And I have to say, I think it definitely does happen because you can't lose your temper at work. If say you, there's trouble, that's not professional. That's yeah, not okay. You, you have to sometimes smile and roll with the punches and and, um, inside you might be screaming. Yeah. An adult being, <laughs> trying to be an adult and smile, you know, and sometimes, and then, yeah. And going into writing and you, you hear critique or something, you, again, you have to smile and, 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 understand and put on that, like not to show the effort of, Oh my God you hate the 50 pages I just wrote. Ah, (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) You know, and that's, I I definitely, I I find that it is in with all areas of, of life. You kind of have to go with that a bit. Don't show the effort.
1: Yeah. And with ballet especially, there is such a very specific image and there's not a lot of, like, especially in the core, there's not a lot of room for variation. You're not supposed to stand (laughs) out. You're supposed to move as one body. And in the opening scenes, that's what Sylvie's trying to do. She's trying to be a cohesive unit with a few other humans that she's not in control of. And she has to... Make it look like it's effortless when it is so much work. And it is frustrating
2: because, (laughs) again, you you never know what the person beside you is going through, if they had a bad day, if they have a problem at home. They aren't getting along with this. You never know what it's like. It's that famous quote: you never know what people are going through. Yeah. So just treat everyone with kindness because you don't know. So sometimes at the ballet, you don't know what the person beside you is dealing with. But you're like, just go together and like, can we please be uniform? And their mind might be distracted for whatever reason. You see, Sylvie's mind is distracted and obsessing over. It, and yeah, the girl to her, well, if you got out of your head, and then they want to snipe at each other because. Going for that long and trying to be so exact, while at the same time being um, moving as one, and also trying to stand out, it's it's really it's really tricky because if you stand out, you're like, oh, okay, maybe I'll get to move up. But then you've got two people. Okay the the solo the solo ballet mistress will be like, oh, that girl stood out. Like, oh, look at her. But then the core ballet mistress is going to yell at you because you stood out. So yeah, you're never going to make someone happy. But then if you don't stand out a little bit, you're going to be stuck in the core forever, probably. Right. So you just like find that balance. It can be very tedious and frustrating, and we spend hours, hours, and hours of trying to move together as one. I mean, but again, I, I I thought we spent a lot of time, and I I thought as the court of ballet, you see it and you see them moving together, and it's beautiful and it's art and the breathing. And then I, I went and I saw the Rockettes, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that is moving together as one. Yes, <laughs> like, that is a big core. A yeah, that is. But it's different. They they have their set routine, whereas in ballet, it's still artistic. But it blew me away how they they really move as one, and it's impre- It's it's interesting to see all the different variations of corps de ballets in the theater at Radio City and the ballet, and you all have your the the moments. But oh, it's really. It's almost mind numbing sometimes because you'll you'll talk about like the height of your arm for like twenty minutes and you're like and then you go to do it and one or two girls does it differently and you're like were you not standing there for twenty minutes <laughs> with the rest of us or you'll have this what this one scene is very famous by like Levi Dare and you have to do it's about the first girl out probably does about one hundred arabesques it's just like walk walk raise her leg behind her walk walk and you all start to do it. And then say you get to the end and like the, I think there's 34 girls or 26. It depends on the size of the company. And you get to girl number 22 and she doesn't raise her leg to the right arabesque height. And they say go back and start over. That girl at that the first girl out, I mean, she gives you a look that you'll yeah. we'll be like, "I'll see you later."
1: Like, yeah, I it <laughs> will like, hoist your leg. Your le- and it,
2: yeah, and you rehearse <laughs> the leg at the same height and you, you know everything. And then they set it up where if they're worried. Oh, that girl can't raise her leg, so we're gonna like put the girls who have like this who can get their leg with confidence at a certain height, where the visual will be there, and so you don't mm-hmm. notice the girls who can't get their leg to a certain height. And it's all very by you start a ballet by almost like a chart. Like that's how you start rehearsing by a formation and you learn everything through formations. It's it's more detailed than I think people
1: realize. Oh yes. And tedious <laughs> Oh, very tedious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I took I took ballet for um doing math. 15 years. I started when I was three oh, wow. and I stopped when I was 18. I am not built for ballet. I am five foot four. I'm very curvy. So I was not of the the ballet physique, but I studied it for a long time. And it is a lot of tedium.
2: Yeah. I was going to say you have a lot of knowledge about ballet more than just like doing research for the interview. You, yeah. really, you know ballet.
1: <laughs> I know a little bit about it. And I remember I hated doing rond de jambe. I thought it was so boring. I was like, why am I moving my leg in a D? This is dull. I'm bored. And I was i was like 13, you know. <laughs> I remember that tedium, but I also remember how important it was to be precise when you were dancing with other people. And the thing I always struggled was um, when I really, really, really didn't like someone, like we just did not get on. But because we were very similar in height and build, we were always put together. And I was like, I got to dance with this girl again. Like, I really don't want to. Yeah, that's,
2: that's common. <laughs>
1: yeah. And this happens with Sylvie in the start of the book because whatever she's doing is not enough for the ballet mistress, yeah. but she doesn't understand what these people want from her because yeah. no one is giving her concrete instructions on yeah. what she needs to do with her body and her mind to make it work. It's all this very esoteric, you know, non-specific language. And she's just like, why don't you just tell me? Just tell
2: me. Yeah. And it's, and it's hard because you can't sometimes pinpoint because yes, maybe she needs to do something. But I think in my mind, what Diana is trying to tell her is it's not only about being exactly the same. It's, yeah. a, it's about like feeling your want to be up there. Yes. And, your, and that's what Sylvie is. She's missing her desire and she's just doing it to be correct and be the same as the other girls. And she's good and she's being correct. But She's, it's, she's not, it's not, en- yeah, it's not like enough. And Sylvie wants to be literal, like, well, tell me exactly what I'm missing. But sometimes in art, you you, you can't pinpoint it. And, and that's what can be so frustrating um, in ballet. And it, it's funny, it made me think of sometimes people like, you do the same thing, you start your day the same way you started when you were five, like, don't you like have it down by now? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, no, oh, actually, I don't. And it reminded me, I think I loved writing so much because I felt like it's never good enough. Like with first position, finally, my editor was like, enough, Melanie, enough. This is no, it's It's, like, this is it. You've locked. No, 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 no. Let me just go back and do one more thing. And it's like, never. It's like that. Like, it's very similar. Like. Writing. Oh, this thing can be better. I know I can make it better. Let me just have another chance. And they're like, "Stop! You're like, it's it's good for I would say um, obsessive personalities, <laughs> 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 dancing and writing. <laughs> like, it's just that perfectionism, you know. Oh yeah, the, the desire to be perfect, which in a lot of I think um, in life, a lot of people feel that in whatever profession they do.
1: Oh, absolutely. If, and the feeling well. never goes away. I mean, my first book um, came yeah. out in 2009. There are things I would change about it. There are things that I would go yeah. and change. If I could just borrow everyone's copy for two minutes, I just want to change this one word.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's interesting that the, I found so many things being a ballet dancer roll over into life, which I'm actually quite glad because I was
1: terrified. I was like, what am I going
2: to do? Well,
1: it's terrifying to, re- to, to it say is. I'm retired and you're so young, right?
2: Yeah. And you have no, and you've been doing ballet and you don't really know much more outside of ballet besides other ballet related things. And it's quite terrifying. And to realize, oh, ballet actually rolls nicely into a lot of things. um, That was a relief for me.
1: What are some of the similarities you found between ballet and writing? I mean, obviously, rehearsal and practice and and the dedication to getting it right and constantly revising is a skill set that obviously will carry into. Are there others you've noticed?
2: I felt, um, the, the, the work ethic, the, okay, you know, I'm not gonna, I have set this goal today and I am not getting up. I might be horrible what I put down on paper, but I'm not getting up until I get it down. Yeah. You know, you're, you're used to long hours. You're used to accomplishing something that you feel might be hard to accomplish, you know, um, and I, I think that really helped me transition into writing. Accepting criticism was really important because, you know, it's so nerve wracking to put your words on paper and then get feedback, even though it's not necessarily bad feedback, but you're still getting feedback. And every day at, ba- at the ballet, you're getting feedback. Someone's oh, yeah. telling you, oh, improve on that. You know, they, they might say, oh, that, that bit was good. But here's all the bits to improve. And it's similar to, I really like your idea and I liked what I liked this line. However, improve on this, 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 and this. Yeah. And so I think that being able from all the years in dance, it it helped me not take it as a negative thing. Like they're not putting me down by saying improve on this paragraph or this thought. They're, they're helping me. So personal, like you're, you're pouring
1: yourself out. And it's also, it, it, there's a parallel of that intimacy too, because in ballet, when you're getting feedback, you're get, sometimes you're getting feedback on your body. Yeah. You're getting feedback on your physical person. And that's very, yeah. that can be very intimidating. And when you're getting feedback on your writing, that's, you know, the, the words that came out of your brain, you're trying to write down emotion. I always say that romance is about empathy. Romance is traffic and mm-hmm. empathy. You are being invited to have feelings along with the characters in this book that's deeply intimate. So as the writer, you have to put them in there to begin with.
0: That's yeah. that's
1: very challenging to endure for long periods of time, and you did it for many many years. Can I ask what your favorite mm-hmm. ballet was? What was your favorite role?
2: Um, uh, ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, I was going to say what my favorite role I would have loved to dance is. Tell me, Juliet. I would love I to hear. Yeah, that's that's Sylvie living my vicar. I'm living vicariously through Sylvie when she gets to dance Juliet because that was the role I always wanted to dance was Juliet. So. When I wrote that final chapter, I was like, yes, this is
1: I <laughs> you know, <laughs> some part of Finally me has done Juliet. Juliet. Mm-hmm. Some part of yeah. me has done this.
2: Yes. Yeah. This is i uh, I've watched it. I've started it. I've, I'm my writing. It was in a way me getting to perform it, you yeah. know, that felt really good. Um, but to do, I mean, there's so many fun roles. I loved. to funny. I loved dancing harlots and Romeo and Juliet. You get to be over the top. you get to be sexual, you get to be vulgar, you get to be funny and you just give your heart and soul into the piece and and then on the very farce like other side of it, I loved um, this ballet called Dama Camellia's. I got to dance one of the principals in it and that was just like my heart and soul my so they were very different ballets one is a sweet innocent young girl and the other is like a vulgar as you can tell by the title of the pe- part harlot yeah. like yep. um those were probably my those were probably my two favorite roles I get it
1: in my in my childhood academy the, my favorite was always being the witch and sleeping beauty because you get to take up the whole stage and and yeah. not blend in. You have to stand yeah. out and you have to be intimidating. Because Yeah, you, know, you kind of
2: get to break out of the, the confines of yeah. like the strict rules. Like I loved Swan Lake. I loved dancing what they call big swans in Swan Lake. I loved that role. I felt like I would fly through there. But then to be able to take out that classical restriction and just, yeah, like you say, like fill up the stage and and go for broke was really, was really fun. It's different.
1: So we've touched on this a little bit, but I'm curious, what are some of the lessons that you've taken from your dance career that you still apply to your life now? I know for me, for example, I'm always, and I, and I didn't realize this wasn't true for other people. I'm always aware of where my body is in space like when i'm moving yeah. i know i know where my body is cuz i spent a really long ballet. time paying attention yeah. to where my body was in the space around me so like if i'm doing yeah. yoga i don't have to look to know where my leg is i know where my leg is that kind of thing yeah what are some of the lessons and things that you've taken from your dance career that apply to your life now
2: um i mean i'm going to repeat myself work ethic mm-hmm. um and dedication um because at the ballet it's about seeing the bigger picture yeah you know, you think, oh, I'm a lot of, a lot of, sometimes people say, oh, that's okay. You're only in the court of ballet. Well, I know the, the court of ballet is very vital part of the ballet. You know, it's, you can have Giselle's mad scene, but it's just a woman by herself going crazy. If you don't have the reactions of people, you know, it's, you, and, um, and I, I find that I'm, aw- I'm aware of being and feeling ballet has made me feel like I I'm good enough, you know, like I made it here and I'm, I'm important in my place, in my, in my world. It sounds kind of selfish, but I mean, everyone's kind of the center of their own life. And I think ballet teaches you to be aware of your surroundings and I'm, I'm I'm obsessed with animals. So I'm always aware of my surroundings when it comes to animals, (laughs) but also you're, I feel like you try to be in touch with, um, your body and listening to your body and in life, um, feeling what you need to do. Like, okay, today I need to take off work. My body's run down. I need to listen to my body, Yeah. And which I would have never done at ballet. And the great thing that now I feel like with writing, I can do that and I can take that and I can listen to my body. Like, don't push yourself. It's, it's giving you a warning. It's yeah. telling you there's a sign. There's a reason you're feeling this way and give yourself the grace to like – be, you know, be okay. Like take yeah. them in you know, take the health day, take the sick day, and you will be better tomorrow. Oh yeah. Um and yeah, and then and just yeah, being really aware of the surroundings, maybe too aware of like your body and surroundings and positions. You know, like even on this interview, I know like I'm touching my hair a lot. You know, yes. like,
1: I'm aware. Like, yep. I'm, I always ask, are there books that you are reading that you want to tell people about? And it's okay if you if there aren't, because I know when when you're writing it can be very difficult to also read. You want the words to go out and not in.
2: Yeah, that was something I for me I read 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 all the time and writing book 1 I actually took a step back from writing from reading because yeah. I I was afraid I was going to be influenced mm-hmm. on what I was and now I'm kind of as I'm getting into book 2 um I'm re- I'm I'm actually reading a book for research for book 2 called Men on Lisco and it's the uh, story there's a ballet called Manon and so I'm reading the original, the novel it's based off of, mm. and it originally came out, and it was considered uh, too scandalous, so it had to be revised, and it came out. Um, I want to say 15, 20 years later, it re came out, oh. um, reissued, and it is probably the most scandalous ballet I've, I've ever seen. It's set half the ballet set in a brothel, so you can imagine that it's. Um yeah, <laughs> this ballet has so, too much I, I, sex. I enjoy, it. I, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, you know, it came out 1753 or something like that and it was like a French courtesan. You know, it's it's is wonderful and the ballet is wonderful, so I'm really enjoying reading that book and I'm also reading right now one of my favorite authors, Colleen Hoover. I love her stuff. So, I'm I'm getting best of both worlds right, right
1: now. That's a inside. lot of intensity you have going on there. <laughs>
2: before i get really like so far in the writing that i'm not going to like read for a bit i'm like oh give me like all the different genres and all the different books uh to eat up because there is a point where i will like pause on on reading
1: oh yeah i know that mm-hmm. i know that problem well where can people <laughs> find you if you wish to be found
2: i would say instagram i'm i i'm in the process of learning about uh tiktok and yeah. Book talk, which I really want to get into, um, but I would say I'm I'm mostly present on Instagram.
1: Well, you are you are uniquely positioned for a lot of social media because ballet talk and book talk are both very very popular, and you can you can bridge both.
2: I know I'm gonna. I was trying to think of what would be my first um, TikTok. Should I be holding a book,
1: burring across the the room? You know,
2: like, how do I gap? But, you know, but people are so creative on TikTok. That they really like
1: are. Like, That's like my favorite you- thing about it yeah like how do you make your splash into <laughs> into that world um and i have noticed whatever. that there there are a lot of dogs on your instagram
2: yes and as i said like i'm obsessed with animals like they surround me everywhere and every time i go somewhere i come home and i'm like i got a new animal like <laughs> i think i have total i have four dogs three cats Ooh. six chickens uh, two bunnies
1: <laughs> wow And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. If you are thinking, I would like to see the chickens and the animals and the sheep, well, in the show notes, I will have a link to her Instagram. It is terrific. And I will have links to everything else we talked about as well. As always, I end with a terrible joke. And this week's joke is from Karen. Karen emailed me a joke and it just made me so happy. All right, are you ready? Which country's capital has the fastest growing population? give up? Which country's capital has the fastest growing population? Ireland. Every day it's Dublin. (laughs) If you're Irish and you're really mad, please let me know because that joke is just terrible. On behalf of everyone here, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend and we will see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media slash podcast.